Okay, well, welcome to Conversations with Caregivers. Mindy, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Mindy Crouch. I'm with Pando Geriatric Counseling. I am a clinical social worker, and um, with Pando, we work on providing that talk therapy piece in nursing homes, assisted living, and homebound patients, and with caregivers and family members, um, so we can help with the aging process um, to age and even die with dignity and grace. And so that's our purpose. And that's what we like to do um, is to be able to get in there and help out and allow people to um, vent their emotions and even just experience their emotions. Sure. And I know there are so many wonderful resources for caregivers in our community. And a lot of times family members just don't feel like caregivers. Um, it just is sort of like an obvious course of action that they would help their parent or grandparent or spouse. Um, so I think sometimes people that are serving as caregivers just don't even realize that they are caregivers. Yes, very much so. Because mm -hmm. um, you very much fall into the role. Yes, it's it's this gradual transition. Um, mm -hmm. So do you, have you worked with people who have been in the home and then they did transition to like a senior living environment? Mm -hmm. Very much so. Um, and the transition goes a lot easier if that person got to choose the facility that they go to and got to choose when they get to go. I mean, that's the ideal situation. But the idea of aging is that we want to help them maintain control for as much as possible. And um, as caregivers, we want to be able to give them that control and not power struggle over that control. And there, it could, that can be really hard because as the primary family caregiver for two grandmas, there was resistance mm -hmm. on their part for periods of, for quite some time before it was like, okay, this is really, really where we're at. And mm -hmm what needs to happen. Do you feel like you're able to help that person reach a level of acceptance? The Absolutely. You know, and I think we're able to do it easier because we are the professional coming in and giving advice and not the family members. Um, you know, and I, I would stress for caregivers to always have professionals do it, whether it's the doctor or social worker, therapist, whatever it may be. Because um, we are not emotionally attached. We will come in yeah. and provide the facts and reality-based um, situational um, problem solving for it. And we are more than happy to be the bad guy. Let us be the bad guy. Because as a caregiver, it is so important for you to maintain the relationship role that you had before, whether that's um, parent-child, spouse, um, sibling, whatever it may be, we want you to maintain that relationship because ultimately when your caregiving role is over, we don't want your relationship to be ruined over resentment. Mm. We want you to be able to maintain that loving relationship. And so it's okay to have us professionals come in and be the bad guy and to be able to say, you can no longer be safe at home. Or if you stay at home, you need X, Y, and Z services to maintain um, being there. I love that suggestion. There's a great book, How to Say It to Seniors. And that was, I can't remember um, what chapter in the book it was, but the gentleman who was struggling with his mother who lived out of state and in her home, and it was not a safe environment, 
Um, one of the recommendations he made in the book is, listen, okay, if you're staying at home, this is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And once they gave her the laundry list and the price points, and then um, really put the ball back in her court, then that empowered her to make the best decision for her. Absolutely. And that's where it goes back to giving them control. And it doesn't have to be the, okay, you take the wheel and we just follow along. It can be as simple as, do you like this assisted living or do you like this assisted living? Mm. You get to pick which one. You don't get to pick whether we go or not. You get to pick which assisted living. Or if you're moving to the assisted living, do you want this lamp or this lamp? Do you want this picture or this picture? Because what we find important they may not find important and vice versa. And so, you know, giving them the laundry list of these are the services that you need and this is how much it cost, or we could do option B at this is again, doing your caregiving while giving them the choices and control. And it sounds like narrowing down those choices can sometimes help it feel less overwhelming. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, I know for us in the professionals, this is just our daily jargon. That's what we do. But when you are in the crisis yourself, it is mud soup. And so it's, you're really looking for those professionals to give you that guidance and that direction. And so if you're able to narrow down out of you know, the difference between home health care versus companion care and medical assisted companion care versus non-medical, things like that, that we already understand, and you can break it down for the family members, then it's not quite so muddled. Yeah, not so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You have a a pretty unique perspective because you um, work directly with the elderly person or the senior person. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like there are some top reoccurring concerns or complaints that they have? Because we do focus quite a bit on caregivers um, Mm -hmm. and hopefully they're feeling that love and support. But I think sometimes we can kind of lose the person that we're taking care of in the process. Very much so. Just top of mind things that are their biggest uh, challenges? So there's a lot of things that come to mind. One of the biggest things that I really want to stress is we don't know what it's like to be old until we're old. You know, so as a parent, we've been a child, we've been a teenager, um, you know, we've been through the courses, but then all of a sudden we become experts to our elder loved ones when really we have no experience what it's like to be old. And we, our culture has really lost the respect of elders. We talk to them as elderly, which is a very disrespectful term. It's a throwaway, they're waste. Um, especially if you go into a senior care living facility, um, you know, there's that mentality of I'm just wasting air at this point. And we need to get back to, they still have a very respected role in our family members because at every age they have a purpose and can teach us a purpose, whether it's how to survive a bad time, how to, um, you know, the mindset of getting through a stroke, the rehab they have to go through, um, And then just to really empathy, you know, have empathy for the losses that they go to, because none of us have it in our retirement plan as a goal to go to an assisted living or a nursing home. Like Mm. as fabulous as these places are, 
that's none of our end games. And so we need to still maintain them as a person instead of a um, dependent yeah, and um, keep them as a respected role within our family. Um, the other thing too is as a caregiver, it's so important that we separate the disease from the person. Um, you know, like if you have dementia to understand that the, the dementia is taking over so we can still love on the person, mm-hmm. um, whether, or it's a stroke or Parkinson's to really separate that to, so you can maintain that respect. But the biggest thing that I hear is I'm not needed, you know, like, does it matter if you fought in lots of wars or if you, you know, brought us to the civil rights movement, your role feels gone and lost. Um, and it's not respected anymore, or they have zero control over their life because they feel everyone is taking over when in reality, again, we've never been there. We, right. We're not experts. We don't know. Well, and I think other cultures have this piece a little bit better figured out. Um, and just through my gerontol- studies in gerontology, I know that it was after the Second World War when we built out our suburbs and we had this urban sprawl that that's where kind of our family units started to struggle because people moved away from the cluster uh, neighborhood. So, you know, there was more of an intergenerational experience happening mm-hmm. um, back yes. before that. So, yeah. And Amer- as Americans, we very much teach individual, you know, so mm-hmm. you grow up to be able to take care of yourself and be by yourself. And so being a dependent is a very negative thing in our culture. That's a really good point. I know that's a reoccurring thing I do here in the chat rooms online. Um, if they're even called chat rooms anymore, I don't know. <laughs> groups I'm in online. It's um, she's asking me, you know, fifty times for the same thing. And I think I think education helps a lot, but I, you pointed out just an empathy and separation of there's a disease and then there's the person. And it can be really hard um, to keep hold of that person as a disease progresses. My mother-in-law has dementia and she's becoming fairly nonverbal. So, you know, it can be, you, it does feel like there's a, a loss of what is the disease and, and where is my family member? Absolutely. Because as you know, like with dementia specifically, you're really watching your loved one die twice, you know, their shell of a body, you're watching them die through each of the phases that they go through. And then the actual physical death, which sometimes brings on relief instead of sadness, because one, you've already mourned for them. And two, you're relieved that they're no longer suffering. Um, So that can get confusing that grief process, because that one is a very, um, long grief process. But that's one of the things too, that we struggle with as caregivers with dementia specifically is, okay, you know, we have a two-year-old that constantly says, why, 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 why? And Mm -hmm. we can handle that because we know it's a phase. We know they're learning. This is just something we're going to help them get through. So when a person with dementia starts going, why, 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 we get frustrated because the outside, we know that they should know better my mom used to know better and they don't learn. And that's where we get super frustrated is because they're not going to learn and it's not going to change. And that's why it's so important that you separate the person from the dementia. So you can handle the repetitive questions, knowing that that's the dementia taking over 
not the person. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. So for the people that you are going in and counseling, do you have like some baseline um, ways to help them manage or cope with the changes through aging and the losses that they're experiencing? I mean, if having that sense of purpose is one of their biggest challenges they're facing, how do we help them navigate that? Um, so really, um, even just in America, uh, retiring is a huge loss for us, that loss of purpose, because your identity, you know, as Mindy, mm -hmm. the social worker is gone. And so really reframing it, letting them know that they're um, in some cases, it's not depression, it's grief, you know, mm -hmm. and helping them um, verbalize a purpose or finding new ways to be helpful because the people who are successful at aging are the ones who are fine, will find alternative ways of achieving the same goal. So whether I used to hop in my car and drive to the store, maybe now I have my child drive me to the store or I have a hired caregiver drive me to the store, or now I take a mobility bus to the store, or now I order from the store and have it delivered. So if you're willing to find alternative ways of achieving the same goal, you will be more successful at aging. The other thing too, is on a scale of one to 10, 10 being super happy, we strive for that 10 all the time. And a lot of people feel that they have failed or they're not happy if they're not at a 10. And it's just not realistic to be at a 10 all the time, especially if you've experienced some losses in your life or your life is yeah. changing in a way that you don't have control over. You know, you have a walker now or you're on oxygen. You don't have control over that. And so you've got to learn how to find happiness and contentment at maybe a five, a six or a seven, which is still okay. And there's nothing wrong. And having the realistic expectations that a 10 every day, all day long is not obtainable. Well, I mean, life is 50-50 and our human brains were designed to feel all of these different emotions. And you would know better than me. I feel like, you know, there's five or 10 basic emotions, but I think there's like over 400 different emotions that we can technically feel. And we have this, like you just said, I think at every age, we have this fantasy that we should be operating in this eight, nine, 10 space for the majority of the time. But it's just not, most of life is, is pretty uneventful. Yes. And we spend most, most of our life trying to avoid those negative emotions. And again, that's not realistic or healthy either. Um, you know, we've got to learn to experience them, make room for them and push mm -hmm. through them. So that way we can enjoy the good ones. Yeah. I think you've given some really good baseline um, information. So for people that are experiencing the aging process, which we all are, but we're specifically geared towards people that are maybe needing more assistance, um, really just maintaining a sense of purpose, finding a sense of purpose, shifting of the mindset of what our expectations should be. Uh, for day by day and then working the like working solutions to the problem so you can still do things and remain independent those were kind of the three key takeaways that I had and then for our caregivers um, 
really just having we've not we've not done this we haven't aged so right exactly and the other thing I think that everyone I hope if they really take away from this pandemic is if you're feeling isolated now this is how our loved ones have been feeling long before the pandemic. And this is a great opportunity to walk away with a lot of empathy and to become better at taking care of our elders um, and reaching out because they haven't been able to drive or they have been homebound or they are stuck in a facility. And so again, if you're feeling that lonely, isolated uh, feeling now, you, you can better empathize with our elders. Absolutely. And I would encourage people to get creative in how they are forming connections. Um, there are a lot of online opportunities and I think increasing, I think the fastest growing population of people on Facebook are over 65 years old because they want to stay tuned into what their grandkids are doing um, yeah. within other people's lives. So just don't, just because you're at home, if, if you have internet connection, which I'm going to say you probably do since you're watching this, you know, explore <laughs> what the options are to connect with people online because um, there are some really good opportunities. So, well, I think this has been very helpful. Thank you very much. And you're welcome. I would love to get your contact information and I'll put it in the notes and uh, people in the Omaha, do you primarily serve people in the Omaha metro area? Uh, we're in the Omaha and surrounding area. And then we are also in Council Bluffs and Lincoln. Too. Okay. Um, but right now we have the capability to telehealth um, anywhere in the state and in Iowa. Wonderful. All yeah. right. Well, thank you very, very much. I appreciate your time. Yeah. You are most welcome. Take care. You too.